It is the Crawford Talks, the latest edition of the Crawford Talks, brought to you by The Athletic. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. As we wind down the regular season, we record on Thursdays and Mondays, which means we have four games to go. And, Jake, there is still everything on the line with uh, four days and four games to go here for the Astros. Yeah, they have not clinched yet. I think we speculated on Monday's show that they might have clinched by our next show. Obviously not the case. Um, by our next show, we will know one way or the other, though. This is our, this is our last show of the regular season, no matter what. No matter what. Uh, no matter what. Uh, yeah, I, I still think uh, they will not have a uh, epic collapse, and they will still be the sixth seed in the playoffs. Um but it hasn't been pretty. I mean, the offense is still bad. Yeah, it's still not very good. They lost two of three against Seattle. Um, you know, things look fine on Tuesday when they got that win. Maldonado, big home run. Then all of a sudden, you know, back to not scoring runs until they threatened late on Wednesday and, and had a chance to come back and win that game. Jose Altuve had a big strikeout to end the game. Alex Bregman had a big, big strikeout to strand two in the uh, eighth inning. And that's been, I mean, that, that's been the way the offense has gone. Um, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to explain other than, it, it, it's hard to explain that the numbers offensively, I know it's only 60 games, but the numbers that this offense is putting up is comparable to the offenses that, that the Astros had when they were tanking, you know, six and seven years ago. And that's still pretty hard to fathom. It is. It doesn't really. I think it defies explanation. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there are many factors that are contributing to it. Um, and I think every player, to an extent, has a different reason um, why they're struggling or, or reasons. Um, but ultimately, they're not they're not performing. And, you know, you can point to losing Jordan Alvarez. Obviously, that's a big deal. But they still have so many guys who have been in all-star games and MVP discussions or winning an MVP um, and have had, you know, great season after great season offensively to really make sense of how, you know, almost all of them are underperforming. I, I think really the only hitters who are performing at an acceptable rate for their track record pedigree slash what you'd expect of them are George Springer, Michael Brantley, and Martin Maldonado, and then Kyle Tucker. We didn't really know what to expect, but he's obviously had a really good season. So, like, that leaves five regulars who aren't performing, and those include some of their biggest stars. Yeah, the way I was looking at it, because I, I feel the same way you do, I just kept thinking to myself, I have no explanation. I know people nationally trolling, you know, trolling fan types would say, well, there's no trash can anymore. But, you know, Jose Altuve was able to hit when he first got to the major leagues. It obviously took a while to become the player that he has been. Um, and, and I just don't think that's really a factor here. I mean, there was no trash can the last two years either. Yeah, right? and they were still I really mean, good. As, uh, yeah, as far as as far as uh, we know, last year was clean, right? Yes. And they had the best offense they've had. Yes. Um, and again, Jordan Alvarez was a big part of that. and He's gone, but... You know, Alex Bregman was arguably the best player in the American League last season. Yep. Now he's, you know, slightly above average, um, obviously missed time, but but he hasn't gotten going mechanically. And Altuve's been, you know, I looked this up this morning. There's been 117 major league players who have 190 plate appearances or more. In OPS, out of those 117, Altuve ranks 114. Yeah, that's an amazing stat. 
Boy, that's an amazing stat. 114 out of 117. I mean, he's been, he's actually been a net negative uh, for the lineup, like without question. And for me, it's the, the overall issue, I would say, is just a, a lack of power, lack, lack of extra base hits, lack of big home runs. Like the Maldonado home run on Tuesday is the kind of hit that they really haven't gotten for much of this season. They, they have not had a lot of those kind of moments where you take a game that's in doubt and then it's like, okay, now all of a sudden you're up six to one and you're almost definitely going to win that game. They haven't had a lot of those hits. So I think. The lineup overall, the, the power has been a major issue. And then you look individually, it's really about four guys. Altuve has been awful. Uh, Bregman has not been close to the same player that he was last season. And I don't know what that... For him, I would say that's the one I'd most go to, small sample size plus injury. I think if we had four more months to go in the season, like we normally would at this, at this juncture, I think he'd be fine. Uh... Correa has hit for zero power this season. And then Yuli Gurriel, who got off to a good start, uh, has now dipped, I think, below average. And I blame probably a bunch of that on this hand injury that he has. So if I go down the one through nine, I look at those four specifically. Yeah. I mean, Altuve, it's been the same story almost all year. In the beginning, I think we expected he would come out of it. He just never did. Yes. Um, Bregman... Yeah, I think Bregman more than anyone on this team has, you know, uh, like he he loses out because of the shortened season. Like he, we've talked about, he's a slow starter. I think mechanically it takes him a little bit usually to get into the season and get his swing right. But then once he does, he goes off for like a long stretch. And yep. he never got that to that point this year. Um, you know, I think even so, I'm surprised at how how – much he's regressed numbers wise obviously small sample caveat applies but you know this would be his worst season you know yeah. including his rookie year and he's coming off of you know an mvp caliber season Correa, i don't know how to explain why he's his slugging's down 130 points from his I mean, career average that, or 110 that... sorry but still it doesn't really make much sense to me and and guriel i think the hand injury has impacted the last week or two but you know, I also think he looks a little bit lost at the plate. The one, if I had to pick one specific thing, Jake, that I truly cannot explain in a sea of things I can't really explain, it's how a guy like Carlos Correa is not hitting for any power whatsoever. Like, I just can't, like, it's not like the quality of his at-bats is, like, completely dreadful. I mean, there are, there are the usual things where, like, he's swinging through pitches or taking pitches that you feel like, well, that's right down the middle. Why not swing at that? Like, there's that usual stuff that's gone on the last two or three years, but a guy that big and with that kind of physical talent to not be hitting for power whatsoever, it is utterly mystifying. So if I had to narrow one, because, you know, Altuve, you could say, Altuve has been unconventional his whole career, and if he loses some strike zone discipline and starts chasing, then things could really go rapidly downhill. So at least you can understand it a little bit more, maybe just slightly more. The Correa power thing, I, I cannot figure out. I just can't figure it out. He's 26. He's you know, yes. should be in his prime. He's 26. Yeah. yeah. I think he's also pretty mechanical and, and like, I mean, every hitter is to an extent, but like, I, I think his swing, um, consistency wise and also approach, like sometimes he gets a little too passive with those called yes. strike threes. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it either. He's hitting more balls on the ground this year. That's one, one yep. thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, he has nine doubles and four homers. Like, that's, you know, it's not many extra base hits, and he's played the whole year. He missed a few innings, but, like, he's he's stayed healthy. He's played, he's he's posted. 
Um, yeah, it's it's a weird year um, for all four of those guys. Um, and I don't know what it means for the future. Like, I think Bregman's fine. Um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Altuve was back to relatively normal next year, but I also wouldn't be shocked if this was the start of a decline for him. Um, Correa, I think, has to be better, but who knows? Um, yep. And and Gurriel's a free agent. So it's that's another thing that I think we, we probably haven't talked about is like, or maybe we have, I don't know, but like, if you're a front office for any team, how do you how do you weigh the 2020 stats? Yep. You know when you're trying to like make decisions for the future because it is it is a small sample, but at the same time, it is the season that we had, right? Like there's no other stats to draw from for 2020. Yeah, and, and that, that's been a theme of ours for really the last two months, and, and I'm sure a lot of, of the podcasts here on like on the Athletic Podcast Network, the the baseball ones that. It's a really small sample size. It's well, it's a small sample size, but it's a it's a sample size, and more importantly, it's the sample size. Like it's the only right. thing that we're getting. Um, right. I I don't know. Um, you know, Bregman. Yeah, I agree with you. Is the one that I'm most confident will be fine next season. But with the other ones, you're not you're not really quite sure. And then you have the idea, and I think that you would probably you'd probably be a person who would reject this line of thinking. But, like, assuming there are some fans in the stands and the Astros, are get, the Astros are getting booed like crazy on the road, maybe that doesn't help with some of these guys either. I don't know if that's a factor, but it's just something I'll toss on the table for 2021. Maybe. Um, you know, I, I think a, a, a factor for every hitter in the majors is, is the lack of um, not having the video to check between at-bats this yes. season for for adjustments. And they should, I would think, have that back next year. Yeah, they just need a. Yeah, I. That's a great point. I think they need to find a way to just like regulate that properly because I think the hitter should have that. Yeah, I think uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick have reported about it in the past about how the goal for next year was to have some kind of uh, video returning where the the catcher signs are blurred out, uh, and they were yes. just still working working on the technology for that. So, um, you know, hopefully in twenty twenty one things can go back to you know more things can go back to normal in baseball and um that hitters will have that luxury across the league um yeah i I don't know uh i mean we'll see if there's fans in the stands next year or if if there are fans if it's if what capacity right but um yeah i mean certainly it's not going to get easier for them from a from that perspective because they are going to get booed next year now, on the other hand, what I do wonder about, and I'm sure, I'm sure that because it's baseball, someone has done analytics on this sort of thing. Because there are no fans in the stands, is that the kind of thing that makes it easier for pitchers as opposed to hitters as a class, if you will? Because you know, like let's say you're let's say you're pitching on the road and you've got fans going crazy, it might be a lot harder to focus and ignore all of that compared to what you have this season. So maybe the, that helps out some of these hitters. Um, I don't know what you think about that. That's a good question because I always I always thought of like pitchers getting like more adrenaline from the fan energy and like it yeah. playing their stuff playing up because they're amped up because of the atmosphere, right? Like, well, I could also see the same thing offensively, um, especially if you have a really good home field. You get locked in a little bit more. Yeah, or, or just like, especially late in the game when things are kind of like dragging, if the fans kind of have some juice and energy, 
to just just inject more energy into into that game, I, I think can be a factor as well. I, I again, yeah. I have I don't know how you possibly measure that. It's just sort sort of an anecdotal feeling I get watching games. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it it probably goes both ways and varies by player, but um, yeah, you might be onto something there. I do want to make this point. I, I see a lot of this d- discussion about how the hitters aren't playing with any joy, and it seems like they're kind of checked out. I, I don't know where, where you stand. I, I, I don't really buy that explanation whatsoever. I mean, it's not – if you kind of go up and down the schedule, um, you know, it's – okay, so Wednesday's game, for example, the, the, the hitters are dead in the water for basically two hours, and then, you know, you look at the, the ninth inning, all of a sudden they're putting together good at-bats and threatening the Mariners. We had the same thing happen a couple of weeks ago against the Dodgers where they're dead in the water until Kenley Jansen comes in. Um, so while the offense has been bad, I don't think it's, it's about guys playing with joy or being checked out. I think it's, well, I can't really explain it, but I don't think it's that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I I don't, um, I do think there have been times where it feels like some guys are just going through the motions, but that might be projecting on my part, just from watching on TV. Like, I I don't know. You, You never know what they're actually feeling or thinking, um, obviously. So yeah, I, I don't really think. I think I agree with you on that point. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't buy it in baseball because like these guys are their numbers. They they are their stats. Like right. I, I just I, I just can't understand how the idea would be. Well, they go through the motions and they're they go into the twenty twenty one off season looking and saying, oh well, I hit two twenty four this year. Like that that cannot be a good feeling to sit on for five months. Right. Right. Yeah, and they're just not built that way. Most most yeah, I don't think athletes so. Who have gotten to this level. Uh, one thing that that I think is a really interesting topic is what happened on Monday where the Astros sat George Springer in that game. All these games are basically must-win games, I think. And the way Dusty Baker ex- explained it, Jake, was what? That, that, that the stat cast showed that he ran so much on Sunday, which he did with the inside-the-park home run and everything else he was doing on Sunday to basically win the game single-handedly. So they felt like he was more susceptible to injury, specifically on Monday, and thus he did not play in the game, which a lot of people did not like. Yeah, a lot of people did not like it on uh, Twitter.com. Um, yeah, it was uh, interesting. Um, the reaction to it surprised me a little bit. I think I think this is nothing new. Uh, and I was, didn't really have an issue with it. I, it sounds like I was supposed to, but I didn't. Um, I, I don't have a, I don't have an issue with it. I would have an issue with it if it was the postseason, but I don't think sure. they would do this kind of thing in the postseason, obviously. so I mean, like they had like a 98% chance and still have a 98% chance to be the sixth seed. And what's more valuable, a George Springer uh on monday or a george springer next week um i I, like i i they these teams and not just the astros and not just baseball teams like in general like have invested in the science of sports and learning more about this stuff um over the last what decade for a reason it's not just so that like they have the information if they want it like they they want to use it to inform their decisions and if they had information uh, that suggested George Springer was at a higher risk for injury on Monday um, and they wanted to give him a day off before the end of the season so that they could have him f- for the playoffs. Um, and let's not forget, this is a guy who who's not, he's not not injury prone, um, 
I think it it's fine. I think it makes sense. I think this is like this is the same stuff AJ Hinge did. He just maybe didn't talk about it as much with in terms of like rationalizing it through stat cast numbers. Yeah. Uh he just gave the guy a day off and said everyone needs a day off at some point, basically. Um but like the manager gets all this information from the Astros medical training team, you know, every day on every player and uh you know, it's how they decide when to give guys off days, but based on what the the metrics say of of their, you know, their risk and their energy level and and all that stuff. One question I have: Why not DH him instead of? I mean, is that an option on Monday? What do you think about that? Yeah, I guess it would have been, but then you're losing one of Brantley or Tucker. Um, yeah, so I guess either that way, would be the issue. You're losing one of your three best hitters either way. Um. You know, because they, no, they have nobody else they can really play in center field, right? I mean, like Miles Straws is our only center fielder on the on the bench. Um, I, my issue with with the whole thing was batting Miles Straw leadoff. Like, yeah, that, yeah that that's a good bet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is the what is the cause of that? Like, how how can anyone think that's a good idea? I just I think don't get it. I, th- I think it's the old school yeah. need a fast guy in the leadoff spot thing. Right? Yeah. Um, but he should not be getting more at-bats than any of their top seven hitters. It, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. He should be batting eighth or ninth, probably ninth. And uh, he's actually like kind of perfect for the nine hole, right? Like a second leadoff hitter in a way because he does yeah. make contact and get on base a little bit, but he, he doesn't hit much, uh, at least at this stage of his career in the majors. But I totally agree. It's like he, he's one of those guys who you can't really trust to set the table, which you want from a leadoff hitter. But if he's hitting eighth or ninth, if he happens to get on, all of a sudden he is on base for your theoretically best hitters, and then you should be in good shape. There's no reason he yeah. should be leading off to start the game. That's baffling. We'll get right back to the show after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. I mean, so to to sum up my my take, like I think it's a little more complex than looking at the Statcast numbers. I think the Astros have a system in place that they've had for years that you know the man they give the manager this information every day on every player to to inform his lineup decisions. And um, if Dusty thought if if they they thought and told Dusty that Springer was at risk for injury and and it was a good idea to sit him out, like I have I really have no problem with it. I I think. Uh, I think again, like the bigger issue is is the the batting order in the wake of Springer's absence. Yeah, Do you, uh, the way I look at something like that, that has to be much more of an organizational decision than just a Dusty Baker decision. I, I I can't imagine that, especially Dusty, who's obviously an older manager, more of an old school guy, is just looking at Statcast numbers and saying, "Yep, I'm going to sit George Springer." I I feel like that is a organizational. GM, manager, probably other guys in the front office involved in that sort of thing. I don't think that's unilaterally coming from Dusty. For sure. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, they have it's the same infrastructure they've had in place in recent years with the yep. the the same head athletic trainer, Jeremiah Randall, the same people running the medical side like 
It's the same information AJ Hinch was getting. It's just um, good point. Like I think I don't think like I just think the way Dusty explained it probably hurt his case in this in this way, right? Like yeah, um, it was probably. I, too I think simple. it's a lot. Yeah, I, I think it's it's like for me, like if if you really think the guy could get hurt by playing um, because of all this advanced analytics and and you know, information you have, um, then it's justifiable to sit him. I agree with you. Let's go to the weekend. And this is the weekend that's going to frankly decide everything. So as of Thursday morning, my, uh, my playoff odds here, 98.7% on ESPN. Jake, do you happen to know what it is on fan graphs? Um, as of Thursday morning? It's similar. It's like 98 point something. I forget okay. what exactly it is. Now I um, will... I will say it seems a little high to to quote you from previous episodes. Yeah, I mean, so this is one of those things where it's like, okay, there are, let's see, seven games that really matter, right? And I'm not really like math was not my specialty when I was in the school. But I think one of the things about these kind of odds is that like a lot of these games are 50 50, right? And for the Angels, they need basically what, like six of these to go in their direction, six of seven or five of seven. So you start like multiplying 50% times 50% times 50. And like, that's how it gets to that low, right? So that kind of makes sense. Now, it doesn't. And the the Astros are playing the Rangers and the Angels are playing the Dodgers. That's part of the calculation as well. I'm looking at it now. Fangraphs has the Astros at 98.6. They also have them as a, as a better percent chance to win the World Series than the Athletics have right now, by the way, which is which is intriguing uh, and also higher than the uh, White Sox as well. Um, here's how I look at it. One, this I feel like I specialize in these kind of scenarios. Um, I think Thursday is kind of a big deal, and. The Astros have no excuses if they miss the playoffs. If you had to pick a team to play to try to win some games against, I think you'd pick Pittsburgh first, and the Rangers would be in the mix for the second team that you pick. They've had a dreadful season. The Astros have played them twice already, and they they took two out of three in both series um, and probably should have won uh, at least one of the extra games where Presley gave the home run to Andrews in the ninth inning. This is on the road, so that's obviously a factor. Um... Christian Javier goes against Lance Lynn on Thursday. That's clearly the the worst pitching matchup of the weekend. I think if they get a win, then they feel okay. Breathing room, because then all they need is just one result Friday to Sunday, either them or with the Angels, and they're in the postseason. But, like, if you lose on Thursday, then it's like, hey, do we need a win two out of three? Like, is that how they're thinking? Or are the Dodgers going to give them some help this weekend? I, I think Thursday is, is a really big deal, and it's not a great pitching matchup for the Astros. It's not, no. I mean, but you're right. The Rangers stink. <laughs> like, they might get the number one draft pick next year, too. Yeah. Not that the players on the field care about that, but, like, they, they do have incentive hit. to lose. <laughs> I mean, they, um, they have not. They have just. They have not been hitting. We we saw that last week. It was like, hey, uh, who's gonna start for the Astros in in the wild card round? Boy, Lance Lance McCullers looks good. Urquidy looks good. Everybody looks good against the Rangers. Like they right. they have not really been able to hit. Right. So yeah, I, I think I agree with you though because of Lance Lynn. It, Thursday is intriguing. Um. You know, maybe you see Dusty Baker get a little more aggressive with his bullpen usage, and you know, like yep. he did last time. Javier started basically pulling him after two times through the order, which is probably what they should do. Um, 
unless he's like absolutely dealing. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy that it comes down to this series at all, right? Like, I don't think we expected that. Um, you know, it's uh, and the Dodgers playing the Angels is is interesting too. You know, an interleague yes. interleague to finish the year, and what do they call it? The freeway series up there. That sounds about right. You, you worked there for for about a year or so, so yeah. so you know. Yeah. Um, well. I, so, I, it's also weird that like the Angels are the team more than the the Mariners now, and yep. also one other one other thing is as of right now the Astros would play the Twins, which completely threw me off. I have been writing likely A's or White Sox for a while and thinking that way, and all of a sudden it's the Twins. So I really need to figure out. Uh, get my shit together and figure out uh, all these possibilities. Yeah. Well, when I'm looking at it, like going into the, the last four days, uh, the Rays are at 20 losses, so they're too clear of, of Minnesota. The the A's have 21 losses, so I think it's, it it could really it could possibly, and then obviously you have the White you have the White Sox also at 22, so it could it could flip flop here over the course of the uh, of the next couple of days. So nothing is locked in at this point. Um, the, the Dodgers Angels series is interesting because I'm sure a lot of Astros fans are listening right now thinking, well, wouldn't the Dodgers love to get back at the Astros by, you know, getting swept this weekend? Uh, this, by the way, this series is in Dodger stadium. Here's what I'm curious about. Tell me what you think. The Dodgers have won the national league West. They have home field in the wild card round and reminder, you know, there's no home field advantage throughout because they're neutral sites after that. So technically, the way things line up for the Dodgers this weekend is Clayton Kershaw Friday, then Tony Gonsolin Saturday, and Dustin May on Sunday. What do you think the Dodgers will do from a starting pitching standpoint, given that they have technically nothing to play for? Um, Have they announced those starters? Because if they announce them as like a thing that they're going to do, Post clinch, that would suggest that they are still planning to start them, uh, even after they clinched. I'm right? gonna check the Twitter feed of our friend Pedro Moore to see if he has announced that. Because, well, here's what I wonder about. I, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm gonna look up your, the answer as we're talking right now. Because um, they don't start till the the NL Wednesday. playoffs start a day later, which is key. Yes, um, Wednesday. Because well, Kershaw so- could start. I mean, first of all, Bueller, Bueller, and Kershaw are both options for a game one. I would presume, right? I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I am looking at the Dodgers game notes from yesterday, and they hadn't listed their starters beyond um, beyond Joe Kelly starting a bullpen game yesterday. So I'm not sure if that changed or what. But, you know, I guess there's a, you know, they could start Kershaw Friday and still have him available for any playoff start. So it's yep. really Saturday and Sunday when that would become a thing. I, um, I agree with you. Yeah. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Crawford and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash Crawford today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Crawford. Same with the Astros. I mean, like, they don't have to make a decision on Saturday or Sunday until They Friday find night. out more. Yeah, yeah that like makes they, sense. I think they'd prefer to not start Lance McCullers on Saturday, but, you know, there's a chance they might have to. Yeah, I agree with you. Um you know, my thing with the, with the Dodgers, so the Astros are helped out by the fact that the NL playoffs start on Wednesday. And so, you know, if Kershaw is going to start game one, which may or may not happen, then it makes sense to start him Friday. And they don't have to, you know, he doesn't have to throw 100 pitches, just start him to kind of keep him on schedule. And then probably same thing on Saturday as well. Sunday, who the heck knows? I know that probably people are fearing like, hey, what if the Dodgers are like, hey, let's just throw this series. I think that's a really tough thing to do in baseball because and we were talking about this before we started recording this episode, like it's not like the Dodgers have a pool of 50 players to choose from. Uh, they're still going to have to play a decent number of their players. And the guys who are actually on the field, I don't think are, are thinking to themselves, let me go like, let me go, uh, you know, give a bunch of runs to the Angels or let me let me strike out a bunch of times at the plate to get back at the Astros, who I, I may not have even been on the 2017 Dodgers. And these are my stats. Again, going back to my earlier point, if you are a baseball player, you are your statistics. So the guys who are out there in Dodger blue this weekend are going to be trying to succeed against the Angels because they have to for their careers. Yeah, and even if like they played their B lineup, it's still better than most A lineups, right? Like, yes, it's better than the Astros A lineup right now for sure. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any uh, th- that really happens in baseball, right? I think it's you know it, when these guys don't really have an off button um, because you're right, that like your individual stats, like baseball's the 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 individual game masquerading as a team sport, right? Like your individual stats like matter so much for your career, even though it's only a few games left, like everyone still wants that, that extra, you know, point or two on their OPS or or whatever. Of course. Do you have a sense for how you think this weekend is going to go? Because I think Thursday's a a tough game for the Astros, although they were able to get to Lance Lynn a little bit, I think a a few weeks ago. So maybe that's, that's a positive sign for them. Um, then Urquidy starts on Friday. We have <laughs> Kyle Gibson on Saturday, the guy who threw the shutout against them uh, last week. Uh, I, I I really think this Thursday game is, is a big deal. If the Astros win, I think they can kind of breathe a bit of a sigh of a relief because I, th- I think they'll be okay between the six different games where all they need is just one result to go in their favor Friday to Sunday. Yeah, so I'm really bad at math. Does the Mariners A series just not matter now? Well, I don't think it I don't think it matters for the Astros because it's like the magic number for Seattle is one. The magic okay. number for the Angels is two. And so it's like if they just lost out and finish in, you know, fourth place, then the Mariners magic number isn't really a factor, essentially. Gotcha. Does that, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um That's the way I'm looking at it. My prediction is the Astros clinch before Saturday. I think they'll win one of the first two games in in Arlington. Okay. And the Angels will lose Friday. Okay. That makes sense. Because they're playing Clayton Kershaw, who's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And and yeah, (laughs) I mean, 
it's interesting because if that doesn't happen, like you're going to be looking at these Saturday, Saturday and possibly Sunday games and, and they would become playoff games, essentially like the Astros would be would have to treat those games like they are postseason games, making decisions, like making critical decisions in every single inning, every single pitch. There's a lot of stress like that. They would enter that mode, I think, Saturday by the latest. Yeah, I mean, if the Astros can't beat the Rangers two out of four you've got a lot bigger problems on your hands, right? Like, yes. <laughs> do you, th- I mean, like you might have to look at it like a manager change at that point, right? Like I, I if you miss the playoffs in a 16 team format, there's, there's really no explaining it. Um, no, there, I agree at the same time. I, yes. If they miss the postseason, especially with a magic, like if you could have clinched the playoffs on a Wednesday and you don't make it by the following Monday, that is just a disaster of epic proportions. At the same time, I always sort of mentally push back against the idea of like, well, if they miss the playoffs, they deserve to, and they wouldn't have done anything in the playoffs anyway. I don't think that's that's a guarantee in a season, especially with a with a playoff series that is a best of three. Like, even if you stink offensively for the last two weeks of the season, who's to say you don't have a couple of good games in a best of three and end up beating a team that you that is better than you are? Right. That's the yeah, way I mean, I've always thought. Yeah, like you could have one of those Martin Maldonado three-run home run innings. Right? Exactly, yeah. And um, then all of a sudden you win game one and then you're a game away from advancing. Right, yeah, it's such a crapshoot. Um, that being said, like... The idea of a 28 and 28 team being in the postseason or let's say they're 30 and 30 um, is just another argument against the expanded playoffs. But um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, they probably don't deserve to be a playoff team. They're really only getting in because of the expansion of, of the field, plus how bad the Angels and started and how bad the Rangers have been all year. Like we were, it was supposed to be a, a more competitive division and. Yep. Um, you know, like even before the year, I, f- I would be shocked if, if you had told me that the A's would win the division going away by like seven games or whatever it's going to end up being like, I would have been, I would have bet against that. Yep. So it's really been a one team division if you, if you boil it down. So like what, what would it, in a normal year, like what would we, we be talking about right now is a question you posed to me before the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we... I, yeah, the mo- the most important thing that happened to the Astros in 2020 was the announcement right before the Yankees Nationals opener that they that they were expanding the playoffs. And yeah. the ama- you know the amazing thing also is uh, the fact that it's not only that hey every second place team in every division makes the playoffs, two out of the third place teams make the division uh, make the playoffs. Excuse me. And yeah. we haven't even been talking about the fact that like they would have lost out to the Indians, obviously by a bunch. And then the, the Blue Jays uh, as well, who have been not playing well recently either, but are going to probably win enough games to get that spot. So it like everything was set up for almost a guarantee to make the postseason. And if they miss it, like they, they would have not been able to get the job done in a situation that was like the red carpet was laid out for them. Yeah. Uh, as far as what we'd be talking about, I think probably a lot of, okay. Springer free agency. Springer free agency. And how much of the offensive malaise the last couple of weeks, the last month is something they should factor into for the 2020, 2021 off season. We'd probably get back into what we were talking about in March with like, what what are you watching, Mike? Uh, what's yeah, on exactly. Netflix? Yes. Um, <laughs> what series are you watching? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's like also this like interesting storyline I think we should touch on briefly here before we go. Uh, so, Framber Valdez is going to finish the season as the Astros' best pitcher. 
MVP of their pitching staff, so to speak. Yes. Yet, let's say the Astros clinch and, and make the wild cards round against the A's or the White Sox or the Twins. There's no guarantee, based on what we've heard, that Framber Valdez will even start any of the first three games because, or any of the only three games in that round because out of Urquidy, McCullers, and Valdez, the Astros think Valdez is the best equipped to pitch out of the bullpen, uh, which is probably true, but... Do you agree with that if that's the way they go? That do you think it's malpractice, as I've seen some people say on online, that they wouldn't give Valdez at least a, a game to start? Well, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's malpractice. I think that would be going uh, a, I think that would be going too far. Um, if you ask me, I think that Valdez has. I mean, he's really he's been kind of a horse for them, uh, especially the, with, with the way that Dusty Baker has used them. And yeah, I would st- I would pro- I would probably start him in the postseason. I, I probably would. What I, what I would do is I would do uh, Granky, Valdez, McCullers, and have Urquidy coming out of the bullpen. That's what I would do. And that's something against Urquidy. I think Urquidy has done has pitched really well. I mean, he's consistently gotten better. He has thrown deep into these games. Uh, I know we talked about uh, about a month ago is his return being a little overhyped and. Actually, his return has been has been important for them. They've won two of the four games that he's pitched. He proved and, me wrong. Uh, so far, he has. <laughs> I didn't want to put it directly like that, but he has proven you wrong so far. And for me, my logic is basically Fromber has earned that start based on how critical he's been for this team. And for me, with Lance McCullers, if they get to a game three, then that's a guy who's pitched in the playoffs a good amount. He's pitched. In game sevens, he's pitched in the highest leverage moments a pitcher can pitch in uh, in the Major League Baseball playoffs, and I trust him in those spots. I trust that he's going to get things together and give you the best of what he has, and Urquidy has some key playoff experience as well, but I would, I would go with Lance over Urquidy, yeah. So if you're asking me, if I'm Dusty Baker and James Click, this is a long way of saying I would go Granky, Valdez, McCullers. That's what I would do. I think I agree with you. Um Again, it does depend on the matchup, and I think, you know, there is a case to be made that the Twins, for example, have never seen Urquidy. Uh, okay. Like the, Na- like the Nationals hadn't last October. Yes. And I think that does give the pitcher an advantage, um, whereas McCullers has seen the Twins a lot. Obviously, Greinke has pitched against everyone. Um, for Valdez has seen the Twins to an extent. Um, I think like it's I don't think it's malpractice if they don't start Valdez. I think there's a interesting case to be made based on the way Grenke's pitched lately, which has just been not as sharp, that yeah. you kind of turn him into a game one two times through the order guy and ride Valdez for the next four innings. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a I don't think that's a crazy idea. Um it's still hard to like look at Grank. It's hard to look at Granky and, and and not have him be the game one starter because of how well he started this season. It is also a little weird. Like the Astros haven't won a game that Granky has started uh, since September third. They've lost the last four That's that he crazy. has started. I would, hadn't realized that. Yeah, which is kind of it's kind of nuts. I, I mean, I think overall, I think they might be slightly below five hundred in the games that he starts, which is not exactly where you want to be. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think, put it this way, I think Valdez has d- definitely done enough to earn a key postseason role. For me, like, that game on Tuesday, I actually think was the most, so far this season, the most pressurized game the Astros have played. Because at that point, the magic number was four. They theoretically could have gotten swept. And I thought that was actually, like, the biggest game that they've had uh, two dates before the games th- this weekend. And Fromber was able to come through, and, and he pitched well. So I can see the logic of... Granky plus Valdez. But then the other thing I'm thinking about, like, well, sure, you know, Valdez is a solid option out of the bullpen. I think with the way their bullpen shakes out, maybe I'm maybe I'm like going off the reservation here, but when you're putting Javier as a right-handed option in the bullpen, plus some of the guys that they have already, I'm not like I'm not so petrified of the bullpen that I'm like, boy, I've got to have Fromber Valdez pitching out of the bullpen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely been a little bit better lately, but I just, I envision like, and I don't know if Dusty Baker would even do this. Um, I, If you could get through game one and win by bypassing your bullpen completely, okay. or maybe, maybe Presley pitches the ninth, whatever. Yep. I think you instantly become like, feeling really good about yourself for game two and game three. Like you only have to win one out of two um, with McCullers and Urquidy starting and a fresh bullpen. And you can line up Valdez for game one or game two of the next series. Um, I don't know. It's maybe it's a stupid idea that I have concocted in my head, but it's something I was thinking about. Well, let's put it this way. If things go according to your plan or your idea and the Astros clinch within the next 48 hours, then they'll have their decisions about Lance McCullers, Fromber Valdez, and I'm guessing, you know, Saturday Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon will know what they're thinking for the postseason. But if you're asking me right now, based on the balance of the season, I would have Fromber starting. I can I can see your logic. I, I don't think that, that I don't think that idea of bypassing the bullpen is crazy because between both of those guys, like it's almost like no matter how the game goes, you have enough to get twenty seven outs be, between those two. Um, the way I would do it right now, speaking on September 24th, I would go Granky Valdez McCullers. That's what I would do at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm just, I just, I think we, we shouldn't be surprised if they don't go that way. And also yeah. <laughs> there's actually a case that Valdez should start game one, but that's another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is that as well. I mean, like, especially if he's your most resilient arm who could pitch on short rest in the future rounds, uh, easy, easiest, um, definitely, but it's going to be Granky. It's going to be Granky. Well, it's going to be a fascinating next four days. Uh, we're back on Monday morning. Well, we will know uh, the fates of the uh, 2020 Astros. So this could be either us sort of sorting through the gigantic wreckage of the next four days, or uh, this could be us previewing who the heck knows. It could be the White Sox. It could be the Twins. It could be the A's. There are a lot of possibilities over the next uh, four days. So Monday, we will know a heck of a lot more than we know right now. Do us a favor, rate and review uh, the podcast if you have not done so already. So we're back on Monday. For Jay Kaplan, I'm Mike Meltzer. This is the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic.